0: don't stick too closely to any kind of rule book or any sort of like best practices, because those best practices are based on an average, you know, they're not based on your specific
1: business and who, who you're reaching. We're listening to the Branding Gems podcast, a podcast that is not just interviews and conversations, is to bring you guys the best of the best women in branding and business to answer this question. What are your top three valuable tips and lessons that you learned along the way, and then we discuss it. To feel your passion filled lifestyle business, I promise to bring you the best of the best women in branding and business, and together we can grow and learn from the extracted advice that they provide. I'm Peggy Bree, and let's get growing. Hey guys, this episode is longer than usual, but man, the top 3 tips and advice shared are so good. Make sure you screenshot this, share this on your Instagram or Twitter and tag me at Peggy Bree and Blankroom Design and I'll be sure to reshare you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode. You guys are in for a sweet treat. Today we have Jasmine Williams and she's an award-winning writer, content marketing expert, and the founder of Jasmine Williams Media, a boutique content marketing consultancy serving a global roster of industry-leading companies and visionaries. Jasmine helps creative entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and growth stage startups scale their businesses with strategic storytelling. Welcome, Jasmine. Yes. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me and excited to be here. Yes. Let's dive right in to the main question. What are your top three tips on branding a business? And let's start with number one.
0: So I'd say my first tip would be to definitely know your values and really try to infuse them into everything you do. This isn't something I necessarily did from the get go. Like I always really considered myself to be very purpose driven and connecting with um, usually companies that had some sort of social mandate or just trying to do good in the world. But it wasn't until this year, really, um, I actually started, I started working with a virtual assistant. And as part of that onboarding process, uh, she asked me what my values were. And I realized I'd never actually written them down and had them in a concrete document or anything like that that I could refer to. So I took some time to really write them down and think thoughtfully about how I want to run my business and just overall show up in the world. And I feel like that's really been a, a game changer because it's something that if, even if I'm recording like an Instagram story, for instance, I, I might trip over my words and that's okay. I would like to just keep going and um, just really show people that uh, I'm like, I'm authentic. And that I just how what you see is what you get, basically. And yeah, I think that really once you know your values, it really does affect your brand, because I really feel like your brand is really just how like how people feel about you, right? Like, it, there's that saying that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So I feel like your values are really a big part of that.
1: Yeah, it's so important to have these brand values in place because it's your brand's essential. It's your brand's core. It's what your brand's message will communicate across in all touchpoint areas that your brand reaches. And so you're right. It's so important to know so that you're not just like scrambling to tell people what it is because it's embedded in your brand. But also if along the way you find similar words and keywords that are that can better communicate your brand's core there's really nothing wrong with refining it as well so i totally agree it's so good yeah so what is your second tip my
0: tip would be that your copy you know the words that you use on your website on your social media channels and your visuals should go hand in hand i know um definitely as a as a copywriter, as a content marketer, I know a lot of people really focus on the visual aspect, which I think is just as important. Like, I love working with companies that have that visual brand in place because I really do feel like it helps me do my job as a copywriter and help her kind of pull in those themes. But I just I think sometimes people will have this beautiful brand and then their copy is kind Thought. Um, and of course, I'm totally biased in this, um, but I really do think that they're, they're, make sure that they match. So, for instance, like I worked with a client over the summer who created a business that sells contract templates basically for entrepreneurs. And one thing I noticed from visual right off the bat, it was just, it felt so like natural and organic. Like she had this whole kind of like farmer's market vibe to her visual branding. And when we're talking, she's like, yeah, I know like legal stuff could be really complicated and really intimidating. And I really wanted to make sure that when people come to this website, they don't feel that. They feel that they're investing in something that they understand and that will really help them take their business to the next level but it just takes all that overwhelm and jargon out of it Um, so like being able to kind of work off of that vibe and off of those visuals then that kind of made my job as the copywriter um, a lot better and then seeing how it all came together was just really a really fun experience so that would be one thing is to really just think about how both work together like if you're somebody who you feel is like a very straight shooter uh you are very direct when you talk to people um then you want to make sure that your visuals make sense with that and also the copy you're um creating makes sense with that too
1: Mm -hmm. that's so true it has to go hand in hand with each other and have balance because you can't just have good copy and all that visual doesn't match same goes with the other way around so in terms of copy and visuals, what would you say is your best tip for one to combine it well together?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Ultimately, like one of the a couple of questions that I usually ask my clients in that kind of initial onboarding process is really like, how do you want your customers to feel after they work with you, and also think about how they're feeling before they work with you. So really trying to understand what that ultimate transformation would be. To me, that's a big part of copy, because that's where I can really speak to the problem that they're facing and really try to position the the company or client that I'm working with as that solution. Um, and I really think that like even though most of us, we take in a lot of different information when we're making a decision, you know, we'll look at maybe the price of something, we'll look at, reviews, all sorts of things. but A lot of the times emotions play a much bigger role than people tend to to realize. So I always like to think about like, what is like, are these people overwhelmed? And then you want them to feel really calm and secure afterwards, just really good some high level emotions that you really want people to feel that's I think a a good thing to nail down before you dive into the branding
1: process yeah it's so important to think about the emotions of your audience when it comes to branding and who you want to attract and who and the type of feelings that you want them to feel when they encounter your brand right And it's important to think about because ultimately your brand is talking and selling to people after all. So it's important to connect with them on an emotional level so that they can feel connected and understood through your brand. So that's so true. And I guess another question that I have for you is how can one communicate what they're looking for to a service provider in the most clear way. Yeah. I'd say like sometimes,
0: usually what I say to people is to just sort of look around, look at examples, look at other people who might be in similar spaces as you and just see, see what they're doing, see what you like and what you, what you don't like. Like one thing I, I like to ask people like in the very first conversation I have with them is like, what kind of brand voice do they have or what kind of voice do they want to have? And sometimes that question trips people up because they don't really think about how they communicate, they just think about what they want to communicate. So um, I like to really ask that question. And sometimes if people don't kind of know right off the bat what they want to sound like, I'll think about, I'll ask them, you know, are there any brands online that you just love the way that they communicate? doesn't even have to be in your industry. Um, and that's kind of a good way to start, start narrowing it down. Cause if they'll, you know, let's say they give me like Gary Vee, for instance, it's like, okay, well, you know, Gary V is a very, uh, like has a very specific, uh, way of talking. He's a very direct person. He's a straight shooter. Um, so that right there gives me a lot of information, a lot of feedback to go off of, um, if I'm creating copy. So yeah, if somebody was in, and wanted to maybe DIY it or just kind of have more information before they approach um, like a branding professional, I always feel like it's good to, to do a bit of research and come prepare with a few examples of maybe websites or social media accounts that you like. And even if you can't quite understand why you like them, I feel like if you bring them to a professional, then they might be able to sort of tease out those those themes and those um, qualities
1: Mm, yeah that makes sense like you're unsure about a way to approach either marketing or business or branding consulting with a professional makes so much sense and that's what they're there for they're there to pull out the information out of you and transcribe it so that they can direct you to the service that you're looking for so that is so true in other words let's turn back around. For brand copy, when it's translated through different channels and like Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, like how different do you think it has to be? Because like obviously per different social channel, it pertains to each channel. So in terms of brand copy, how is that translated through and across these different channels. Yeah,
0: I mean, ultimately, you do want to make sure that you're speaking somewhat similarly on all your channels. Like, you don't want to have one personality on Instagram and another personality on Facebook, because then people start to kind of get confused and wonder, you know, which, who's the real you? What's the real brand? What's going on here? Um, but I think it's always good to kind of keep in mind who you're speaking to. So of course, if you take the difference between um, Instagram and LinkedIn, um, usually Instagram is a much more, you might be speaking to the same people, but it's kind of a more casual audience. Whereas LinkedIn is of course more professional. So it's not, sometimes it's not necessarily how you talk in this case, it'd be more about what you talk about, like what would be interesting to your inter- Instagram audience and what would be interesting to your LinkedIn audience. So it's not necessarily having different voices. It might just be about sharing different content or or sharing content in a different way. Instagram, I tend to go more on in a like storytelling approach um, and really try to like kind of communicate with my audience in that way. Whereas I find LinkedIn, I'm a lot more to the point. I might share articles or I might share talk about Uh, maybe a new offer that I'm launching. Of course, you can get um, like now, of course, I feel like LinkedIn is becoming more of a storytelling platform. So like everything changes. And another thing I always tell people, you know, you don't don't stick too closely to any kind of rule book or any sort of like best practices, because those best practices are based on an average, you know, they're not based on your specific business and who who you're reaching. So yeah, depending on your business, you know, being really vulnerable on LinkedIn might be oh, something that works for you, you know? Um, so I always just tell people to have kind of an idea of like what you think, what kind of content you'd sort of want to work with, but also leave some room for spontaneity, leave some room to experiment. Um, if something I found even this year, some of the posts that have done the best, or have just have had the most reach and most impact, are posts that just sort of came to me off the top of my head. I just woke up that morning, being like, you know what, I really want to talk about this. I'm just gonna like put it out there and not think about it, and then I'll come back later and be like, whoa, this is really blowing up. Um, So I just encourage people to, yeah, have a, have some idea of a plan. Like I kind of call it like an unstrategy in a way. It's still a strategy, but. I will have like ideas of things I want to share but then if something else comes to me I I as long as of course it doesn't it's in line with your brand values and you know isn't offensive or anything like that um I usually just say go for it because then it, it can tend to lead you in a direction that you might not have
1: uh expected to go in but might actually be better for you. Mm, that's so true like for content calendars, you can only plan and schedule so much, right? Like sometimes evergreen content and the content that really pertains to the now and the times and what you have to say for the day due to the circumstances can make such a big impact. And that's beyond the scheduled content of that day. So why not just say it and and see.
0: Yeah, like I do feel like it's always good to have evergreen content just to sort of keep the lights on and to keep be consistent. But yeah, I don't I see sometimes or at least on social, I find you can start to see like everything starts to sound the same because everybody's talking about the same themes and writing about the same um, topics. So I think it is a really good idea to also like give yourself Mm -hmm. some time and space to just really talk about or share the things that are meaningful to you and aren't necessarily by the book uh you really you just you need that mixture of like evergreen and Mm -hmm. timely content
1: yeah for sure because each platform is kind of like a community after all. And if a brand and business is talking about like a specific topic and is becoming a buzz in that community, it's smart to put your two cents in and join into that conversation and community and to bring your voice into that topic. So it's definitely something to think about. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I love your two tips so far. They were so good. And I think it's so helpful for someone to think or rethink about their brand and business, because brand copy and brand values, they're such a core and they're the foundations of a brand, right? So it's nice to be reminded of that and to also rethink about that for your own brand and business and and what that means from now until later. All right what is your third and final tip that you want to share with everybody?
0: Yeah, I'd say my third and final tip, I feel like maybe people have heard before, but I think it's always a good reminder is just that your, your brand and the business will probably evolve. And that's totally okay. I know, when I first started my business, I was a lot more focused on social media management. And I was kind of just working with anybody who would pay me. (laughs) Um, And I think a okay place to start, you know, you just sort of need to get your mm-hmm. feet wet and figure out how to even run a business before you can start refining down um like who you want to work with and target customers and all of that. Like it's going good idea to you know, have some sort of idea in mind, but also I think in the beginning be open to what comes. Um so yeah I'd say just be open to that evolution like this year um, I started working with a lot more coaches than I initially anticipated because in previous years I was really focused on the tech space, the HR space, but I kept getting all these other types of clients coming to me. And for me, I usually just go based on um, like the, how who I feel I can have the most impact on, I guess, or like how can I impact the business. So if I feel like it can truly help the business then you know I'll go for it and then I noticed that as I was kind of working with more and more of these different types of clients. I'm like, Oh, I need to kind of rewrite my own website copy and rewrite my own bio to, to match the work that I was doing. And it's not to say that I was just sort of being pulled willy nilly. I was trying, I was being very intentional and thinking very carefully about who I want to work with. It just so happened that this is sort of the next phase of, um, of what I do. So yeah, now it's not that I don't work those other clients before that I did before, but it's just that now my, my scope has widened a little bit. And the same goes, I'd say with even how I express myself online, like before I used to be a lot more by the book, I would do all the, like, you know, talk about content marketing, why you need it, what's valuable, like go over all those sorts of things. And but then this year, I think probably um, in part due to the pandemic and just kind of being at home and not knowing what's what's coming, what's next, I found I was being a lot more, um, a lot more outspoken, um, speaking out about. Uh, the political stuff I was seeing, um, or just even being like a lot more silly, I was creating like freelancing memes, because that was just like a fun creative outlet. And I like to just make people laugh as well. And I was like, you know, I, I do this all the time. I'm always joking with my friends, but why is my you know business and so like social presence so serious. So I just kind of started playing around a lot more. And, you know, and it resonated with people and that felt really good because I felt like rather than having to keep up this persona of like just media or have to like fulfill these expectations that people put on me, I was kind of writing or rewriting my own story, you could say. And so, yeah, I think it's just be, like, be careful of like, don't put yourself in a box. Basically. I think sometimes people will be like, you know, I'm starting business and I'll only work with healthcare professionals or, you know, they'll have this very specific client avatar in their mind and they don't really open themselves up to, to play or to, to do any work outside of that. Like even This year, I got to connect with somebody that I really look up to. She's a freelance writer who's been doing, um, who's been in that freelancing world for six years, I believe. And she said that she does work, I think, with like an insurance company. Um, I could be getting this wrong, so I'm not gonna say her name just in case I'm totally messing this up. But I thought that was really cool because she just, like, online, like, she does have this, like, oh, these are the types of clients I work with. But she also, even six years in, it's still just open to whatever comes and, or whatever projects just light her up. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what my final point would be. It's like, it's okay if you find yourself being pulled in a direction. If anything, just sort of like sit with it a little bit and think about maybe why you're pulled in, in that direction. Maybe it's because whatever route or path you set for yourself doesn't quite match where you are now. And that's fine. <laughs> you just need to kind of think about it and assess.
1: Yeah, of course. You can't just be... Pivoting all the time, there has to be a reason. And if it means because you're looking for a different opportunity, or if it's just not aligned with where you are today or what you want for yourself later, it's important to think about these questions, right? And to think about why you're pivoting and why you want to move. So, that is so true. Actually when it comes to pivoting how often do you think a brand and business or one should pivot
0: Yeah that's a good question um I'd say like definitely you don't want to be pivoting like every week or so um but I do believe that it's so important to get feedback. I think sometimes people stay on a path or like focus on an offer that's not really working and they could get that. They could understand why it's not working a lot faster if they just start um, getting feedback. So for me, I would say it's kind of like a split answer. I'd say if it's like In terms of like a product or a service that you offer, I'd say pivot if you realize that it's just not hitting the mark. You know, let's say you do some market research, you talk to some people, um, it's just and you're getting feedback about that people it's just not um, what people are looking for. Then I would say definitely pivot quickly. Um, Like you could pivot, you know, a week later or a month later if you figure out right away that it's just not working. So I would encourage pivoting on in that sort of sense, but in, in an overall brand. Sense, I would say maybe like once a year. Like, I know definitely, um, like, right now it's it's December, it's the end of the year. So, I'm in a very like reflective state. I really like to look back on the year and think about, you know, the highlights, the lowlights. I do a little exercise where I kind of go through all my client projects and just sort of ask myself, like, you know, was that a project I really liked? Like, did I like the client? Um, I'll ask myself if I felt I did a really good job. Like, did I really knock it out of the park? Was the client super happy? And the third thing I'll ask myself is, was it valuable? You know, did I feel like the price I was offering matched the service? Or did I feel like I undercharged or overcharged? Um, Like, just how did I feel at the end of it? So I'll kind of go through all of my clients that way. And that will usually kind of inform my direction for the next year. Like one thing I found In the year past when I did this exercise is that my copywriting work, um, was kind of the, the, the project that sort of checked, not saying that the other types of work I was doing wasn't fulfilling. It just, it's the copywriting work was just a a little bit more. So that was something where I was like, Oh, maybe next year I will focus more on getting those types of projects and speaking about those sorts of, um, challenges or pain points online versus the other services I'm. And of course, also looking at the brands I'm working with, you know, if I'm noticing that I was working with a lot of, you know, coaches or a lot of like solopreneurs, um, just keeping that in mind and making sure that I'm always showing up in places where my target audience is. Like, for instance, I was very active on LinkedIn and this year I've been more active on Instagram. And I think that's definitely changed the types of clientele I work with um not necessarily better or worse it's just it's just different right like different people are active on different platforms um so I'd say like I'd say probably once a year to like check in on where you're headed and see if you kind of need to make any major shifts if you feel like how your online presence isn't matching how you feel inside Um, but yeah I think it's, it's also a gut thing like if you feel like Oh my god, I just really don't connect with what I'm doing. I feel like it's totally okay to pump the brakes and and you know, do a pivot or do a bit of inner work first before you pivot. So I think that can happen at any time. Um but yeah, it's it's hard because at the same time I do see a lot of people who are always launching new things and I'm like, "Well, maybe you should just Focus on that thing that worked for you. Like I'll see people have really successful product launches and they'll be like, okay, now I'm starting this new thing. I'm like, well, why don't you just refine that thing that you did before and, you know, make it better and expand. Like there's a bit that like shiny object syndrome that happens. Um, So, and a lot of like the people that I follow or people I look up to online, they're always saying, you know, it's good to just have, you know, a very one or even, or a few core offers that you can really focus on and hone in on because it's also, you can get more data that way. If you're always changing and if you're always trying new things, then it can actually be hard to get that really high quality feedback that you need to make those informed decisions um because it could be like okay i launched this thing i made i made this much money okay on to the next thing um where you could be diving a little bit deeper into um like who are you attracting like what what pain points were you um addressing like do you feel like you did a really good job in that you you can just always keep refining so yeah it's a it's a it's a kind of a, a gut check in a, at the end of the day like if you really feel inside that things aren't working then I totally give you permission to shut it down and reassess. Uh, but I also want to say, if you feel like things are working, but things maybe aren't just working as fast as you want them to be, then just maybe stay the course and be a little bit more patient. Um, because those, those are both, a lot of those times, and like the people we look up to online, a lot of the times they've been at it for years. So it's so important to give yourself the same amount of time to, to grow and um, just really um, like step into that role.
1: Yeah, that's so true, right? It's like that saying that always floats around. Like you can't compare your timeline to someone who's been doing it for like 10 plus years and expect the exact same thing and be upset about it because there's obviously so much that comes from someone who's been doing it for like 10 years and you can't compare yourself with that of who you are today. And it doesn't even make sense to do so because it's like, different and it's true like it's true to be patient and also be reminded of your accomplishments and what you've done thus far already right like the small milestones are so important too and it really makes you reflect on how great you've come since then how much you are growing which is so key when it comes to running this course and or when you're thinking about the next thing yeah
0: yeah, of course. Like I think it it is a long haul. At the end of the day, like we we'll, we see these stories of quote unquote overnight successes, uh, but a lot of times I feel like people aren't sharing the full story, and that can be really hard for people who are earlier on in their business journey to to see that and think, oh man, I'm not there yet. Um, but it really it really takes time. Like I feel like I'm on, into year three of my business, and only in the second year did I really start to see like a lot of the seeds that I planted in the first year start to, to sprout in bloom? Um, and there's definitely times in the first year where I thought, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I feel like I'm just barely making ends meet. Like I think it's kind of working and maybe online it looks like it's working, but you know, I know the behind the scenes and it's uh, a lot more touch and go than people realize. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I got the advice from a lot of people to just sort of stay the course, keep learning. And that's really paid off. So yeah, that's what I, I just always try to tell people is to just be patient. I've even seen it um, like online. Like I um, like this year, I launched a course to help teach um, freelancers, um, how to, especially creative freelancers, how to build their business. Um, because I feel like as a, as a creative freelancer, I kind of learned everything piece. Like I reached out to random people online and asked them to talk to me and, you know, which is fine, but it's hard to, you know, get the help when you need it that way. So I created a course to kind of have a dedicated thing. And, you know, one of the people in my course, before she entered the course, she was like really kind of like worried, like she's like, you know, CERB is ending. Like, I don't know if I can actually do this. Uh, And then after the course, just recently, she uh, landed one of her biggest clients to date. Um, And so like those shifts can really happen for you relatively quickly, but you do have to stay the course and you do have to do the work, right? Like even though she took part in my course, like it's her reaching out to people, booking those calls, like doing all of those things you have to do. Um, and I think sometimes people like don't quite realize how much work you need to do to, to to make this thing work. Um, but it is all worth it. You just, you might not get the result in the month, but you might get it six months from now. There's even people I've reached out to. You know, online. Like even recently, I landed a client that I reached out to three times. Like three times, I saw them posting about looking for a freelance content writer, and I sent them an email twice, nothing, and then this third time, it worked out. <laughs> so you just really have to have that persistence and um, that faith sometimes.
1: Oh, a hundred percent, and when you're in this business world and entrepreneurship world, it's so important to be around people who can lift you up during that, right? Cause it's not going to be easy all the time and it's not going to be amazing all the time. There's always these like in between. So it's so important to have that community to lift each other up. Oh, totally. Community is so, so
0: important to find other people who are, Doing this thing that you're doing, like I know when I started my business, I had a lot of supportive friends around me, um, but didn't really have a lot of uh, entrepreneur friends. And so, like they would be supportive, but then sometimes they'd be like, "You know, are you sure? Like, you seem really stressed out. Like, is this really what you want to do?" Um, but then meeting other people who are also, you know, creative business owners and realizing that you know, my sh- I wasn't alone. My struggles. Uh, or there's like solutions to my struggles that I just hadn't thought about. Definitely, um, it's been a very, very important factor. And I always encourage people to to find their communities and to find people too in their particular niches. Like for instance, I'm in a content marketing group and that has been really valuable to me to just connect to other uh, sort of niche specialists and kind of talk shop in that way. And so I always encourage like, you know, Podcast producer, you know, find communities for other podcast producers, so you can kind of just trade notes and uh, realize that you're not alone. Or that <laughs> you know, sometimes you can get so down on yourself and be like, "Man, why can't I figure this out?" And it's like, sometimes you just need to to talk to people and realize that, like, oh, they have solutions for you. It's 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 like this. It, the journey can be challenging for sure, but it doesn't have to. There's ways to make it easier. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Like even if. This tough time of this pandemic, like has everything has shifted to this online realm of things. It's still possible to find community and to still make it easier for yourself, right? Like be in community with people in your niche, or just be in an online community that pertains to any interest of yours. Like it's all out there. You just have to. Do it.
0: Actually, what communities are you in? I mean, I'm definitely in a few different online communities. Yeah, the content marketing group I, I mentioned, I'm in a group at Make Lemonade, which is a Toronto-based co-working space that launched a virtual membership. So I'm a part of that as well. I've also kind of created my own communities. Like I have, I created a... A group called Clickworthy Content Club, which is a group for basically anybody who creates content online. Like you don't necessarily have to be a content marketer. I know a lot of us business owners are kind of having to wear that hat as well. So it's just a space for people to connect on and talk shop about content. So yeah, that's been. How I've been connecting with people, make those connections while uh, while we're all kind of locked down. But yeah, it's, it's tricky, but I think there's also like a, an ease to it, I guess, like just being able to quickly hop on a Zoom call with with some friends and, and chat. Whereas before you might've been like, oh, okay, well we have to meet up at a coffee shop or like schedule time. Now I think it's a little bit easier to make those connections. Of course, there's downsides to it as well as it was. We all know, we all know the Zoom fatigue and all of that stuff but yeah, definitely the the digital, I've even made friends digitally. Like I was a part of a a kind of a peer group where we would meet up, um, I think, yeah, bi-weekly and just sort of talk about our businesses. And that was great. We ended up like when the restrictions were lifted over the summer, we actually ended we did a a little um, like social distance co-working date. So I was able to meet up with them in person. So it is possible to get those like, take those online connections offline. It's definitely, we all have to be very creative right now, probably for the future uh, but I do There, I think there's also yeah there's definitely pros and cons like I think the pro too is that it's just I think a little bit easier to sort of shoot your shot which is what I always say like for instance that um, that freelance um, person that I met who was like an, a like a really big inspiration to me I just I wanted to connect with her because I thought it would be cool to have her be a guest speaker in my program and we'd sort of been talking or not really talking but like you know I followed her on social media I would respond and then one day I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I just sent her a message and being like, hey, you know, I follow you all the time. And I you know I'd, I'd love to have you. And and we're able to make it work. And she was able to be a speaker. And you know, not saying that it, that might might not have happened outside of these mm-hmm. pandemic times, but I think the fact that definitely you know we're all at home, it's not you don't, like I wasn't asking her to travel out of her way. All she had to do really is pop on for half an hour, and we just did a we did like a fireside chat. So we didn't even she didn't have to even prepare a presentation or anything. We just chatted. And I think, yeah, definitely digitally, sometimes it makes it a little bit easier to get um, to just talk to people who you might not have been able to connect with otherwise, because, you know, usually we all have a half hour out of our day to just to chat. And if you kind of make it worth their while, then you can really connect with people that you outside of this, you might not have been able to reach before.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true. There's actually like a global opportunity right now with all these online connections and possibilities. And it's so great that we do have this time to double into that. Whereas before we were so used to a different way of connecting, right? And it's so great too. Online connection is so much fun. It's it's a great opportunity for the time that it is now. So well, yeah, I yeah agree. no. Thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. You delivered such amazing tips and advice, and I'm sure many people will get a lot from it. So what's next for you? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, thank you so much for having me. This, I'd say, yeah, what's next for me? Um, well, right now I'm just sort of in that year-end planning zone um so i'm really actually just taking a bit of time off for myself uh, to regroup before the new year um in the new year like what's coming up i'd say i'm definitely relaunching that course i mentioned so that course is called clickworthy creative academy and it's a course for freelance consultants creatives entrepreneurs who are either in that like side hustling phase and want to go full time, or maybe you are full time but just aren't getting the results you want, or even pre-launch. I had a couple people in my last cohort who hadn't quite started their business, but in the process of the course, you know, got their um, their online stuff together and were able to launch their business. So it's really for anybody who's kind of just in that early stage of starting this creative business. Uh, it's a six week course where Um, I teach you all the fundamentals. So things like, um, sales, marketing, um, just, uh, what else is there? Uh, like time management, um, all sorts of things. And we had in a, a whole bunch of guest speakers as well. Like I had a guest legal expert, a guest accounting expert, mindset coaches. Um, so just really to give everybody like a, a nice, uh, complete educational experience. I, I said a lot that it was the kind of thing I wish I had. That's sort of why I created it because I would, In the pre-pandemic times, I was going to all the conferences, all the meetups, all everything and trying to learn as much as I can. And of course that's so much harder to do right now. And I always felt like I was not quite getting enough. You know, you'd go to a talk and hear somebody talk for 20 minutes, but it's like, but what I want to actually talk to them and ask them direct questions. So in this course you get like direct access to me, uh, through these work, uh, weekly workshops and as well as online through Slack and same thing with the guest experts. Um, you get to communicate with them live and ask questions. Um, so yeah, I'm working on launching that the 2.0 version. So hopefully in uh, looking to launch that in March, so like February, I'll start, uh, uh, like promoting it again um, but they do have a wait list so people can sign up from now if they're interested and uh, like be notified when it's when it's open again. So that's a big thing that I'm working on. I'm hoping to do that two time run it two times next year. Uh, and then on the client side, really just sort of uh, keep it moving. Um, I've got some um, cool projects lined up for January, so excited to kind of see um, to work through those and share about them once they launch. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's been a, a roller coaster of, a, of the last two years, um, but I definitely feel like I'm starting to find my flow. So I'm I'm just excited to to keep that and i think definitely for next year one of my big goals is really to to work less <laughs> so i'm trying to incorporate more me time and just to not over schedule myself as much so um, trying to stick to that
1: <laughs> um but yeah that's a that's a, a big priority for me next year oh that sounds amazing i'm super excited for you and i can't wait to hear more about it and to see it all come to life and to see you grow more so that is exciting and where can people find you Can You find me at the jazz williams and um linkedin as well as
0: jasmine williams media And I do have a Facebook page, but I'm not as active. So those would be the best places to find me on social media. And then if people want to check out my work or understand a little bit more about what I do, then my website is jazdenwilliams.ca. Yeah, I just want to say thank you again for having me. This is such a a fun chat. You know, I love talking about branding and business and just um, getting to share a bit of my experience with people because uh, I know that this is, you know, people, are, a lot of people are really wanting to dive into this type of work or just understand more about this world. So I think, um, like you having this podcast is really great. Um, so yeah, just thank you for having me on. I'm
1: excited to, uh, to be here. Last note, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. That will help us continue this podcast. And if you want to contribute your top three tips to help out other women in your perspective, or you know somebody who does, you can apply on brandinggems.com. Talk to you soon.